This is the Toward a New World podcast with your host, Corinna Stoffel. As a space for all things regarding the global collective transition we are in, we have conversations about transition, separation, and connection regarding oneself, others, and the earth. The aim is to educate, empower, and inspire. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, I have a guest, Kinder Nebeker, and we met through the Wilderness Guides Council, which is um, organization with uh, international membership of people that are working in the wilderness with rites of passage, healing, etc. Kinder has her own program and organization where uh, she's offering uh, rites of passage and coaching in that regard. And the Wilderness Rights Council is of interest in a way because it's moving toward the new world as what I call it, because we are using council as a, a way of having a conversation about any issue, any subject, and we are using consensus to make any decisions which is quite different than having 51% ruling out 49%. Four years ago, uh, we selected new net keepers. They always have a four-year term. And that was the first year that there was actually a team of two net keepers that was guiding the Wilderness Guides Council and Kinde is one of them. So she's here in a dual role, talking about her own programs as well as what might come up with the Wilderness Guides Council. So first question to you, when we had a conversation the other day, you shared that you had offered grief tending that was very popular some years ago and then sort of declined in popularity. And what you find out is that it is becoming popular again. So would you want to talk about that and the cyclical nature of things that it sort of represents? Thanks, Corinna. Good to be here. Fun to see you in this. Hmm new and evolved role. I've, we've known each other for a while and yeah. it's so, it's so great to see what you're doing. I'm really thrilled and excited for you. you. <laughs> yeah. So actually it was because of the Wilderness Guidance Council and because of our community at an international gathering that I had the opportunity to experience uh, a grief tending ritual that came from the Daruga tribe of uh, West Africa mm -hmm. and actually has been spread in the West a lot. And um, I've been seeing it all over the place. Maladoma Somme and his former wife, um, Sabanfu, 
brought it to the West and a lot of people have picked it up. So I realized um, having that experience with an international group of people that were doing wilderness rites of passage in South Africa, where the vibe of um, apartheid still was with, you were there, were you? Not at that one. I was at the previous one, and it was probably even more there. Yeah, uh -huh. the first time it was in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. And so um, this this uh, grief-tending ritual was offered, uh, and we did it as a community, and it was great because we knew each other as a community, and so there was a capacity to just really open and be vulnerable. And I have no idea how long it went out on, but what I have experienced was that after that ritual, the field in the room between us all was remarkably different. It was like we had been cleansed. Yeah. And it felt to me like, wow, this is really important. This is really important to grieve as a community so that the energy of grief, respecting and inviting the energy of grief to come through us and to be holding each other uh, in a ritual container just allows grief to do its work, to do what it is supposed to do, which is to clear us out and widen us and strengthen us. And in the West, of course, we've all we're all silos, you know, um, individuated, which is an important developmental thing to have been done, but it doesn't really serve a lot of the parts of us that um, our humanity that need nurturing and grieving well is one of them. So I thought, I'm going to just try. I'm just going to bring it back to my community, which is in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we just happened to have this giant lake of salty water <laughs> that has for most of my life sort of not been really looked at because it's kind of a, a dead, stinky, sulfurous, sticky, salty lake. Um, mm -hmm. And people haven't really liked it or, you know, but now there are people that love it, love it. And it's much more returned toward it as a community, a lot more than, than we were. But I did it outside twice a year in this wacky ecosystem of cattails and wide open sky and then I-15 freeway running by. <laughs> And the Kennecott smokestack, you know, from the um, from the the Kennecott copper mine, old the old one there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this weird juxtaposition of wild nature and then human industrial life, and it was it was pretty remarkable. the 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 uh, ceremony taught me what was needed like the first time i did it i just kind of ended it after we um, did the ritual pouring of the water of our tears back into the lake and 
there, there seemed to be people needed to just be still afterwards and be together and not leave, you know, like there needs to be this space afterwards. So yeah, it was teaching me and people had some really amazing experiences. And there were people that came with some pretty heavy grief. One couple mm -hmm. that had lost their son to suicide um, and people that were feeling collective grief, just this mm -hmm. amorphous grief. Uh, and it was a free offering and it was just come if you can. And most we ever had were 15 people and then less. And uh, I did it with an elder after the first two or three um, who kind of helped me hold it. He was really interested in being there all the time. And then the lake started shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And in the past two years, we have not walked to the edge of the lake because it was too far away. And so we had to kind of just pour the water into maybe a puddle if we could find it. So there, there, was, mm -hmm. there was some sadness there. But I think, you know, I, I don't know, it's probably back up now actually from all the rings we've had. So there's this cycle of the lake and because it's such a shallow lake, it, it'll will really change very fast. And of the grief, uh, you know, not, I don't think a lot of people want to go and, oh yeah, let's go spend the evening grieving somewhere. <laughs> but I have noticed uh, because then, okay, so last year I felt the energy of that after eight years kind of coming to a close mm -hmm. and without knowing why or just responding to that sense, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, this is going to be by request. I'll do this by request. And then something else just arrived in my world, um, which was an invitation to do this grief tending ritual at a festival, a small festival that some local people are putting on in Utah that is a preamble festival to one that they want to do in Texas during the full solar eclipse. Mm -hmm. So I was like, great. And what I found by meeting with these people, they're young people, like for me, anyone under 40 is young. So these young people were, I mean, there's a different uh, energy field in certain in these certain groups of younger people that are bringing something different and they understood and welcomed and were so excited for being able to grieve together and and that's going to be the second day of the festival and it's going to be the only thing that the festival only major thing that is offered and you know, there will be a maximum of, of 300 people. It's a no substance um, festival. So it feels on point and it feels mm -hmm. very much carrying the energy of the new world. And grief is, is a big part of preparing us for, yeah, as we look at our shadow, yeah. culturally and personally i mean grief and honoring grief in this way is so important and i you know i really thank those 
people from Africa who said, okay, the West need this. Yeah. The elders there in those tribes that said, okay, you, you are supposed to go and bring our gifts. You know, what a gift, what a gift that we were just given. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I really see your point. Uh, how are we doing a transition from something old to something new? If we're not willing to look at what we had, what we are letting go of, even if it's no longer, if we know it's no longer serving, but we were bought, really have bought into it, we were celebrating it. So there is a need to grieve in order to move, in order to let go and go into the new. So I fully get that. Right? Is it not a very yeah. important part of a rite of passage? Absolutely. I mean, what what am I letting go of? Yeah. The question is so important. It is. Which actually, you saying that brings me to, I have been talking more to people about rites of passage. Yes. And uh, what I'm sort of getting back is, Oh, I'm going to design my own rite of passage. Yeah. Coming from that usual, I'm designing my own graduation, I'm designing my wedding, divorce, death, whatever. <laughs> it's all individually designed. And instinctively for me, there is this, no, 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 no. You don't design your own rite of passage. That's a community. That's a group thing. There is more that goes into than just what we think goes into a wedding ceremony, for instance. How would you see that? Yeah, that's wonderful. That's juicy. That's yummy. Um, Well, I remember in, I don't know, 10, almost 10 years ago, the, the first time that I had guided a nine day classic rite of passage, the one that you and I know so well with the solo fast. This was just a three-day fast, and I was trying my hand at it on some land up in northern Utah that I had access to. And I remember walking back from the beach after people had returned on the last night and everything, you know, the stories had been told of their, of their, um, time out on the land and so there's that calm energy of just like wow you know it has been done we we did it and coming back and it was a dark dark night no moon and there were there's a group of a few people with headlamps walking in front of me on a dirt road and a few in back of me and I was just by myself walking and I looked up at the stars and I said why does this ceremony work so well? I am just holding the container, but the work is being done by the people and by the land. And there's something about the form of separating from what you know so well, going through a testing time. And from that separation, grieving and letting go of the fire ceremony before you go out and Mm -hmm. then 
going through the threshold and then returning to the community and being welcomed back and then telling your story and being mirrored by a guide um, or sometimes, yeah, mirrored in a lot of different ways, being heard. Mm -hmm. There's something about that process that works perfectly with our psyche, with our nature, and with the nature of how things are in the world. Yeah. It is so perfect. And, oh, my goodness, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> say the answer again. Uh, can you say the question again? Uh, it was basically why can people not design their own yes. rite of passage? Right. Thank you. So what I felt then was this is some pattern embedded into the into nature into probably the universe and ancient ancient cultures human beings are very connected i mean we're still connected to those patterns but we're we're it's obscured a lot by our mind our thinking thought mind yeah. but that knowing is there and when when we can drop into that natural way of uh, the, into the patterns that exist around that 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 transformational um, arc, it just it just works. And there is there are shallow rites of passage, and then there are deep, deep, deep rites of passage. So I really like that differentiation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So I think people can make up their own, but it may be that it's it's too shallow to really, really create real and lasting uh, an impression. And that if it's just individual, that's that's not in accordance with how things are because we are all connected. And if you're not acknowledging that connectivity and you're not setting things up so that you can be seen and welcomed back in this new way that you are now, you know, you were this and now there's a new status or new something different and new. If there's no recognition of it, just like in a quantum yeah, like, you know, the, the observe observation of a thing makes it so yeah right so this is where the the rites of passage the wilderness rites of passage and there are many kinds of rites of passage and i know this one particular way that has a lot of the patterns that the cultures around the world have used but it is with nature very much as nature is the mirror so it is it is, in my experience, authentic, really deep and authentic. And I mean, just thinking back at my very first rite of passage, uh, how the amount of peace that came into my world that was not there before, mm. the fact that I could spend a day not even thinking 
<laughs> just being. Yeah. I dubbed it having little kids. I dubbed it the best vacation I ever had because during that whole time, I wasn't in charge of anything. Right. Having the, the mirror of nature during that time, uh, I remember so well uh, creating that circle for the last night and sprinkling uh, cornmeal. Mm. Then uh, when I approached that uh, on the second day, or third day, the cornmeal was gone. And so I redid it with cornmeal. And then when I approached it for the last day, it was a kangaroo rat that was having a feast on the cornmeal. <laughs> it created such a deep connection in me to the earth. Yeah. Uh, which shifted from then on, yeah. step by step so much. And then having that mirroring experience, uh, that is nothing I could have done for myself. Yeah, right. technically I could have gone out and, and just went through, jumped the hoops, so to speak, but it doesn't do the same, it doesn't have the same impact, the same yeah. depth of impact. Yes, yes, yes. No, I, I remember the times that I've been out fasting as well. And yeah. that it's a very natural, healthy way to create this altered state where that thinking ego construct, that conditioned mind just doesn't get enough food and it goes, it goes away. And what's left is your true nature yeah. in yes. relationship with mother earth nature and that depth of belonging and connection i you know i feel like we're all starving for it living in a civilized world starving for it have you uh, saying civilized world have you ever watched uh, god that movie with clint eastwood and lee marvin where he sings the song that the world is too civilized, even for snow. <laughs> no, but I can imagine those two actors. <laughs> it, it, it was incredible, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, we're, we're starving. I just am realizing where we're really starving is <laughs> not when we go out and fast on the land, but when we're living in too much of a heady, you know, thought-based world. Although interestingly, uh, I am part of a community around Zach Bush and mm -hmm. they do twice a year, a five day fast, just to give the body a vacation. I yeah. doubt it, uh, to not have to digest and work and do the same thing. And I realize how much the mere thought of not eating is scaring the shit out of people. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And and I was the first time they did it. And I, I wasn't prepared for fasting per se, but uh, just uh, the way they were doing it. I said, no, it's been long enough for me having done a vision quest. I think I'll do a vision quest and not just fast in the usual 
But it being December, being snow outside and cold, I stayed home. Uh But I also fasted from technology. Uh So I did it as if I was out in the wilderness. I had my journal. And yes, I had the convenience of a bed. And I had the convenience of a warmer environment. But otherwise, I did it the same way as if I would have been out in the wilderness. For five days, you fasted. No, I did for four. For four. I, I broke. Uh, I, I thought about breaking the vision quest aspect after four days and then fasting another. But I got no, it's done. Uh-huh. And so I've learned better than no, I made that decision. And therefore, I. Uh, I'm following the energy war nowadays. Yeah. And so I just overall stopped. Yeah. And how was that experience? How would you? Deep. Was there it? There was so much going on. And uh-huh. it was it was interesting. The first day it took me a while to get into the groove of this thing. But you can almost see it reflected in the journal entries. They got longer and longer and more and more every single day. Yeah, yeah, as you spiral down. Huh? Yeah, exactly. And so it was absolutely incredible for me. Well, that's great. And I think, Corinna, because you know rites of passage in 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 the form that we 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 are familiar mm-hmm. with, that then to do it yourself. Different. I didn't quite do it uh, from that perspective. I didn't quite do it myself. I did tell a, a good friend who's also a rite of passage guide. Uh-huh. And I called her, I think, uh, a day or two after I broke my fast and shared with her using my journal entries of what had happened and allowed her to mirror back. Awesome. I know better. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Very, very interesting. So there, there is, an, and I have done different ways. Like once I remember way back when that with a friend, we wanted to do a rite of passage and base camp each other. And then uh, she had to cancel. And I said, so, okay, I clipped my calendar. What am I going to do? Oh, I used the four shields and I went to Great America of all places for the South Amusement Park. Huh? What? What? You went to the amusement park? But I went with the intention of seeing how the child of me was in that environment. Oh. Setting, setting an intention right. it was totally different than just right. going for the fun of it. Right. When I went with my kids, it was right. totally different than sure. uh, it was a totally different space. The the second day I went into uh, to uh, to the Pacific, still living in California, so I was close to the coast. And I just spent the day there looking west. I see. So just the present. The four directions, the four shields model that we use, you went each day to a different direction on the car. Uh, yeah, with intention of being fully present. Got it. 
and really exploring it, really allowing it to inform me. So there is, and again, I did afterwards the the storytelling yeah. and uh, and so on. But yeah. there is ways to play with it from my perspective that allow people to to be in nature without having to hike into a base camp and then camp for primitive camping for uh, for three, four days or even longer because base camp is also somewhat primitive. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there is different ways to play the whole thing while keeping the format intact. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And that's that to me is an example of where we are. Mm-hmm. with uh, like where we are in our consciousness now. So taking these ancient, ancient forms and designing something that that keeps the integrity of the form, but also it's putting it in our modern context because mm-hmm. actually not just nature mirrors us, everything mirrors us. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah, and so I just, I just, there's this little spark of interest that I have that we talked about, you know, is about what, who is coming back from that fast? Yeah. Right? Who is that new person? Who is that, not just new, but deeper person? Yeah. There is a, a layer of depth and authenticity that gets added when you are doing a rite of passage that is not necessarily just because you do a ceremony. Yes. Added. I mean, I didn't get any deeper by getting married and having that whole ceremony. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things as a guide is to, after the third, fourth day where I've been sitting in base camp and sending prayers to all of those individuals that have gone out to be in their chosen or the solo spots that called them. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're having boredom, they're having, you know, crazy experiences, fear, whatever, you know, it's all happening. And I'm just like, and, you know, and I hope they're okay. I hope they're okay. Even though all the safety systems are in place, but when then they come back through that circle that we make out of sticks or stones, that is the threshold that they go down into and become Mm -hmm. spirits when they come back, and I smudge them in with blessings. Who I'm smudging in is the most beautiful experience, yeah. their most beautiful thing, because who returns is that essential person yeah. with that, with the ego thought constructs dropped off, gone. Yeah. Now, not everybody. There are people that, that come back that still are, you know, you know, that have, it's, it's a, it's a process, but then there are people that come back that maybe I wouldn't expect it 
people that have never camped before <laughs> come back shining, you know, so it has nothing mm -hmm. to do with how much experience you have doing this. It's just sort of like where you are in your journey and it's all good. But that, then I find that it brings forth that same essence, that piece of consciousness that has my own flavor to it in response to them, you know, and we, we see each other. Yeah. And that is, that is precious. That is liberating. That is amazing. And that is so different from what we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, it is. seeing other people. It is. It that's, is. that's what, uh, it's just popped for me, is just, that's what gets started in a way with using counsel as mm -hmm. a way of communication. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yes, 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 yeah, where we're all sitting and listening deeply to each other. Mm -hmm. And that that creates a, a, a field of presence yeah. that we, where we all know we belong and we then are free to speak what's on our hearts. And then that collective intelligence just is so clear. Yeah, that way of being human is, I think that's what we are starving for because we know it. It's in there. It's in our DNA, right? Yeah. It's, you could almost say it's sort of like our DNA is knocking at the door. Yeah. Wake up. Wake up. There yeah. is more possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then actually at some point, I think you realize that every leaf, every tree, every car that goes by, I mean, just the whole sensory experience of being alive when you are, can you, when you have the veils dropped or you drop them, I, you know, however that works, I don't know. And then the, the mystery starts to ooze out of everything, waking, yeah. waking you up. Yeah. Yeah. But that rite of passage form is, is the design of it is intrinsically geared toward allowing that, dare I say, the awakened self to come forth, to be seen. Yeah. And so looking at where we are right now as as a global society, yeah. as a U.S. society, but also globally. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels to me with all the systems breaking that we are in a transition. And how much would you say that uh, undertaking a rite of passage, getting that experience of a rite of passage, would support people in moving through that transition in a different way instead of just 
oh, I can do anything. I hope a politician is making the right decision or or I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, whatever is going on for different people. Yeah. That's a great, great question. There's something that happens on a rite of passage. It also can happen in altered states with plant medicine. It can happen in many, many ways, but there's something about the rite of passage that is so holistic because it includes community. There's this, this arc of a journey. Our, it's, it's a whole, there's something very whole about it. Mm -hmm. But Regardless, there is a glimpse of real reality. <laughs> you mean this reality is not real? <laughs> I know we have similar viewpoints. Yeah, there's a glimpse of real reality that our ancient ancestors were embedded in. Yeah and that we differentiated out of, but now have a chance to reincorporate being fully aware of our individuality, but realizing that the really ground of our existence is not the constructs that we have created in our civilization, but something very tangible, very ordinary, very beautiful, very alive, engaging all the senses, but also the, that eros of the joy of experiencing being in a form in a body that can shift the context or the perspective from which we're viewing this cyclical change that is happening to the earth and all her creatures that we are mm -hmm. assisting in a way by turning the heat up. And thank you for some resources that allow me to <laughs> have heard other people talk about this that gives language to it Yeah, in that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So from, from one perspective, you know, I don't know if, I don't know, for me, if I ever am around mountains, I'm always amazed how you can change from where you're looking at the mountain from. And it looks like a completely different mountain. The, mm -hmm. the, the features are not the same. The height is not the same. You know, it's just not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so similarly, with everything that's going on right now, if one can have the experience of going through a rite of passage or touching into that world that feels like the world behind the world, but it's the real, it's the real world that is that our egos and brains just cannot get a grip on, that just eliminates the the or it substantially reduces the fear, the angst, the yeah, you know, I mean, because it's changing the place from which you are observing. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, I know you know that. And I'm wondering, because it's come up in, in a different context during the pandemic that our healthcare system is actually a death prevention system, <laughs> uh, which puts it in a totally different perspective. Uh-huh. And from the same, uh, how much, and I know from, from myself, how much rites of passage have changed my relationship to death. Yes. There, there is that, you know, I know people who fight change because on some level, they get that if they change, there is a part of them that dies. Yes. And for me, it's actually almost boring if I don't change, yeah. if I stay the same, because looking at nature, and there again is the connection to nature, is death in nature is something absolutely normal. Right. Right. Nothing special. It's nothing dramatic. Yeah. It's just part of growth. It's just part of being alive, of living. Uh, yeah. And how much is that fear of death contributing to some of the anxiety that people have, to some of the resistance that they feel towards change? Yes, very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, then we get dragged kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had one, one of the, in fact, the last rites of passage ceremony that I did was about death and dying, the great ball court that was offered mm -hmm. by the school of lost borders. Um, and I experienced and I saw and I was in relationship with my own death, just, you know, this rock that just was a skull sitting on the side of the, because the way the light was hitting it was very obviously a skull right above my camp, you know, and, mm -hmm. and feeling the, I mean, things like this that happen, right? This, this crazy, <laughs> these messages and, and it, it, I really got in my body, this death, this is my own personal sweet death. It's part of me. It's right here. And there's nothing to be afraid of. It is, it is a, a sweet companion. You know, this was the message that I, I understood and received. And, and yeah, at an experiential level. And that does, it does change things, you know, and mm -hmm. I, you know, and, and, and until, and when I actually am faced with my actual physical death of the body, I won't know how I really will respond, but there've been so much practice in letting go, letting go and grieving. Yeah. Is a way to honor and to let go to knowing how to grieve well is really important 
Yeah, my desire is to be as conscious as possible. Yes. When uh, I'm facing physical death. Yes. Because on some level as a being, intellectually I get I don't die. Uh, I fully believe what Albert Einstein is saying, that energy does not disappear. It just transforms. Yeah. So I, the being, will continue on. And having past life, the one or the other, Uh you know, past life experience uh, when I got body work uh, Mm. shows me that I have been alive before. Mm -hmm. And no, I was not anybody famous or whatsoever. (laughs) I was just plain old human being. Yeah, yeah. nothing special but this is why i really today i really would like to be as conscious as possible yes. and take in every moment of that dying physical yeah. dying process yes 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 fascinating i mean my 86 year old mother born in germany during 1937 and in right in hitler's reign she now, you know, her uh, short-term memory is going, but she's becoming almost more of who she is. Both of my parents have done that. You know, their minds have gone. I expect that'll happen to me. <laughs> but she says, from that undiscovered, I wonder what that will be like, from that undiscovered country from which no, you know, quoting the, the Shakespeare Hamlet's uh, soliloquy, mm-hmm. uh, she calls it a poem and she's curious about it and interested in it. And in that, I hear this innate, very natural, non-intellectual given that she's going somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I just have to say, I came across my email that there's a, business, a place in Seattle called Recompose that is composting human bodies and takes two months and you're completely composted into rich soil. Now, how does that sound? I'm really up for it. (laughs) Sounds similar to the other option that I've heard is uh, to be buried in a uh, in a landscape and have a tree planted on top yes. of you. Yes, I've heard that too. That that seems to me the most natural, normal way to go. Not the steel casket or the heavy oak casket and embalming and, wow. and all of that. Uh, it's not. Im- it's actually. A final contribution to nature. Yes. And instead of creating this barrier around you from the natural world, because you, you know, what, worms or, oh, scary thing, you know, it's like, no, just let go, let go and become part, become part of it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. It absolutely is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy, crazy points of view. Yes. That are not normal. (laughs) 
And yet, I would say so absolutely normal. Yes, and will are there the seeds of what's coming? Yeah. Yeah, and I do think I do think rites of passage. Well, I think that we're going through one anyway, collectively. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, and so any individual who can have that experience and be comfortable with, oh, that's how it is. Oh, this is what's happening. You know, then there isn't that resistance like you were talking to, because there's resistance in the energetic field with people. Mm-hmm the fear right and the less resistance we have as a humanity the the more you know the easier it's going to go but it'll go the way it goes yeah uh that's that's one thing uh and i agree uh i mean on some level aren't we looking at and receiving some information clarity on how what kind of a life we would like to live on an individual rite of passage? Mm, yeah, what right. contribution is that knowledge to the collective? Yes, right. The part of you do this, you undertake this ceremony to bring back the medicine or the gifts for your people. Yeah, very important. Very yeah. important. Exactly. Yes. And we need all the medicine that we can get. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. That is right. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's getting more known. Um, there are more guides and more trips happening, you know, through the wilderness rites of passage, um, count the Wilderness Guides Council, we see a little bit of that. And then we also know that there are a lot of people that are doing rites of passage that are not part of our network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of amazing things happen all over the world, different ways of doing things. Yeah. So it's cool. And it's great that it's all over the world. Yes. Not just in... In the, I mean, I'm aware of the Western culture, but I'm also aware with, you know, you mentioned South Africa, there yeah. is, and there is uh, the Dagger people and, and so on. There, there is more uh, around than people yeah. normally would assume. So, and probably a lot more than we will ever know that are just happening quiet in faraway places, you know, people in their own cultures doing it their own way that, you know, we we would never have any idea about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think here in the West, we mostly white people are trying to find our own traditions that were lost, you know, very much so, so that we can be connected to our ancestral lineage, which is not no longer on this land, you know? So that's a whole nother story about, you know, the cultural aspects of it. We come from all over the place. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It feels like we've reached a, Mm. a point of, 
landing. Landing, yeah. Arrival or momentary arrival. Momentary arrival. Because nothing is permanent in my, at least not in my world. No. You know, I, uh, I'm tomorrow. I'm a different person than I'm today, and then I today I'm different than I was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, continuous, uh, and being okay with that. Yeah. Not holding on to anything. No resistance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Taking a deep breath and becoming present with what is and letting go of what is no longer. Yeah. 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 So thank you so, so much, Kindy, for that conversation. It was absolutely enlightening for me and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I hope that it is a contribution to other people who will eventually listen to it. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'll put the links in the show notes and then get you the link so you can use it in any which way you choose. To. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Corinna, for what you're doing and for this opportunity. And yeah, I, I, I hope anyone out there who sees this either live or in the future or in the past, will be inspired to, to, yeah, if you hear the call. You hear the call? Follow the call. Follow the call. Yep, that's the invitation. Cool. Okay, take care. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay, see you. Bye-bye.